This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Consulting, leading experts for assessing and transforming management, sales, culture, and team performance. Learn more at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Whether you've already expanded your business to Asia or you're managing people in Asia, or you are interested in being a manager yourself in Asia, this podcast episode is for you. We're going to talk Asia Pacific and Australia and New Zealand and all kinds of wonderful things. Again, welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications at Sales Fuel, and Lee, I'm excited about this episode. I am. I'm C. Lee Smith, the President and CEO of Sales Fuel. We've had guests from all over the world except for the Asian region, and we thought we would go ahead and, and correct that today. That's right. Our guest today is an old friend of mine. His name is Darby Dahl, and he says the number one mistake managers are making right now is they don't realize the 21st century is the Asia century, and we're going to talk about that. Hi, Darby. Hey, Audrey. Hey, Lee. How are you guys doing? It's great to be here. It's great to have you. Where, where are you joining us from today? I'm actually in Taiwan right now. That's where my, I live with my family. I'm American originally, uh, but I've been living in Asia for more than 20 years. Uh, I base myself in Taiwan and do business with clients all over Asia. That's right. Darby is actually a Wyoming native for our listeners out there who are, oh. are uh, fans of the Wyoming uh, folks. And you graduated oh. from University of Colorado, correct? That's right. Yeah. A Wyoming boy in Asia. It's a, you know, I put on my cowboy hat and fit <laughs> right in. <laughs> so Darby, let me tell uh, people a little bit more about you. Asia-based strategic communication consultant, more than 20 years, as you said, working with multinationals and startups in the region, a specialized focus on marketing communications and biz dev. You are a tech head. I know that you're like a way early adopter. And uh, Darby has always kept pace with the rapidly transforming media environment to help fast-growing companies and forward-thinking executives stand out and gain a competitive advantage. Currently running his own consultancy based in um, Taiwan and Hong Kong and previously held senior positions at global public relations agencies in China and Hong Kong. And I also worked with him here in Denver for a spell, which is how we know each other. And it says a lot that all these years later, we are still in touch and working together. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, hopefully you guys can come out to Asia and, and see what this is all about uh, sometime soon as well. I certainly hope to because there's, you know, there's a lot of money over there and there's a lot of opportunity <laughs> over there. But, the, but I got to tell you, the headlines scare me a little bit. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, it's uh, Asia is not always for the faint of heart, but uh, you know, when you look at the markets over here, uh, Audrey mentioned it's the Asia century. That's, you know, historians of the future will confirm or uh, deny that it is actually the Asian century. But but the numbers don't lie. When you look at uh, you know, the markets, the population, you've got half of the world's population is in Asia, uh, rising middle class, markets across Asia are expanding. You know, a lot of companies should be looking. And if you're not here already, how can I get there? Well, you talk about something called FOTU, F-O-T-U. And maybe that's a good starting point for the conversation, whether you want to manage uh, people over there, be there yourself like you, or go uh, after business over there. FOTU. Yeah, so... 
Yeah, FOTU. Well, everyone's familiar with FOMO, fear of missing out. Uh, I think sometimes people have, when they look at Asia, you know, to Lee's point, you look at the headlines, uh, and sometimes you see some scary stuff. Uh, you know, we've had protests in Hong Kong or, uh, you know, uh, strong arm tactics in certain markets of leaders, and, and you think, wow, do I really want to be over there? So I call it FOTU fear of the unknown or the unfamiliar. Um, but, uh, you know, Asia's people are friendly in Asia and it's actually uh, quite a great, easy place to do business, really. Um, most people that you work with are going to be very business minded and uh, they can make great partners and great customers. Yeah, you're absolutely right about people being super friendly over there. That, that's been my experience. What are some of the things culturally, though, that when we're, when we're working with, with folks over in Asia that as Americans or as North Americans that maybe we need to keep in mind or, or because that, that sometimes can, can, can be a little, uh, a, a little frightening in its own right. It's like maybe there's parts of the culture or if I say, if I tell this joke or whatever, is it going to translate well? I mean, what are some of, the, some of the things that we should really be concerned about? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for the most part, I think from a, a sense of humor or humor point of view, uh, I think people are pretty open-minded. Uh, what I see as the biggest difference, and especially for Americans or, or North Americans, is especially when you're doing business, we're very open uh, and direct, and we say what's on our mind, and we get straight to the point, and we like to do business with people who are the same. We, you know, you, you walk into a meeting and you get right down to business and you talk straight and you're direct and everything's above board. And in Asia, in some cultures, people are more reserved. Well, maybe they don't say exactly what they're thinking. Uh, I, I worked in China and I, I used to tell people in China, yes, doesn't always mean yes. And no, doesn't always mean no. Uh, sometimes people will say yes because that they think that's what you want to hear. You know, can you get this done? Can we get it by that date? And they'll say yes, uh, even if they're not sure they can do it. And then later you say, well, why didn't you tell me you couldn't get it done in time? And, <laughs> and, and you know, so it's there. I'd say that we have to, uh, Americans and North Americans, Canadians, sometimes we have to slow down and, and try to make sure that we're taking everything in and uh, follow up and, and double check on things and know that things that may take more time than we're used to. And in managing um, teams over there, does the teamwork work the same way or are there nuances that we need to be mindful of? There are definitely nuances, and I think the the major challenge is you can come into one market. You know, I, I'll take uh, Hong Kong as an example. Um, you know, currently there's there's been uh, at time of recording here there's been recent protests and and a lot of uh, you know chaos in the news. But really, Hong Kong's a very very business friendly place. Uh, the Hong Kong people are very pragmatic. Uh, it's easy to do business there. So you can get used to you can come in and and get used to doing business in Hong Kong. But then suddenly you have colleagues who are in mainland China or in other parts of Asia. And every culture has its own different nuances. Um, even in China, say, for example, people in Beijing uh, sometimes can be different in the ways they work and communicate than people in Shanghai or, or down south in Shenzhen. Uh, then you throw into the mix, you know, if you had colleagues in Indonesia or Singapore, uh, you know, every place is different. And so you have to really look at the market you're working in or look at the market that the person you're working with is coming from and take that into consideration.
Which of those countries that you had mentioned you know, tend to be the most favorable uh, to Americans and Canadians? Well, I think, um, I think overall, all across Asia, uh, um, people are favorable towards uh, people from North America. Uh, you can read headlines, you know, and, and, and there are political issues, say, between China and, and the United States. But when you get down to business with most Chinese, there's no issues. So I think all, all over Asia, it's, it's pretty friendly uh, to Americans. But I would say the most business-friendly business places probably are Hong Kong and Singapore as hubs to do business across the rest of Asia. Uh, Hong Kong is a great place if you're looking to do business in greater China, uh, so mainland China, Taiwan, uh, Hong Kong itself. Uh, it's, it's really a great hub for doing business in greater China. Singapore is the hub for Southeast Asia, so if, you, if you're looking to do business in Southeast Asia, Asia say Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, uh, Philippines, those kinds of countries, you really might want to base yourself in Singapore. But I think, again, I think everywhere is, is, is pretty friendly overall. And you said that uh, if you can start getting a toehold in there, that really going to an English-friendly country first is the, the baby step forward on the ladder? Yeah, I think uh, the the cities I just mentioned, Hong Kong and Singapore, very English friendly. You can uh, you can enter into the market, and you don't need a lot of localization. Uh, you don't need someone sitting beside you translating all the time. Everyone speaks English, and and English is really the language of business. Uh, then, of course, you've got Australia, New Zealand. Uh, you know, I I think a lot of American companies have great opportunities in Australia and New Zealand because in a lot of ways, the cultures are very similar. Uh, even the societies, even the way the, the cities and, and the infrastructure is set up, it's very similar to the U.S. Uh, so you might look at, you know, looking at Australia, you, you would only need localization uh, for the Australian market, but you don't need to, to come in and translate everything or, or enter, you know, a new culture. Yeah, and I'm not sure I really trust Google Translate all that much either. <laughs> Never trust Google Translate. You know, it's it's great if you have a document that comes in and you need to to kind of get an idea of what it what it says. But uh, you never want to uh, trust trust it. You know, when you're sending things, sending emails, and use Google Translate and, and send it on. It's or a, or a contract or those kinds of things. You know, you really want to get someone who is a translator that can can look at documents and look at materials and make sure that they're in line with uh, the English version versions. How do you deal with companies uh, back out west, you know, back out here that, uh, you know, on a totally different, maybe a different day, you know, certainly a, you know, time zones, I mean, it's all out of whack. And it's like, how do, how do you guys compensate for that? Well, I think on the, that can be a major challenge. I mean, we're looking at it right now. You know, it's eight in the morning here for me and it's eight in the evening there for you. Uh, so, you know, we just it just comes with doing business in Asia. I think everyone's used to it. The good news is, is that uh, the U.S. and, and uh, North America tends to run uh, early and Asia tends to run late. And so, you know, if you want to set up an evening, evening conference call in Asia uh, that makes that morning in the U.S., that's no problem. Uh, it, it can get a little skewed when you try to do it the other way. You know, uh, people may not show up to the office till <laughs> nine, nine, nine or nine thirty here in the morning, uh, you know, and so that's quite late when you when you do the time zone conversion. 
I'm curious um, from your experience when you took your first job over there, let's say, you know, a lot of people, because there's so much more commerce being done between our country and the area where you are, you know, hey, we want to transfer you. So what resources are available available beyond Darby Dahl, by the way, in his consulting firm? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, give me a call. <laughs> yes, to, that, what were some of the things that you experienced starting work over there? And what are some of the suggestions you make to managers who may be being transferred or going willingly um, as well, just for the adventure, but... Well, I think uh, my situation was a little different because I came uh, fresh out of college and that was back in the 90s pre-internet. So, uh, you know, I just threw myself in and and, and I really relished it. Uh, Asia's really dynamic and exciting place to, to live and work. And so I, I did it the hard way, I suppose. But uh, I think now nowadays, uh, first of all, you know, with the connectivity, uh, it's a lot easier to do business. You're not so far away from home. Uh, you're connected. Uh, to, you know, if your home office is in the U.S. or elsewhere, you're you're always connected. Uh, resources that you have, you know, there are all sorts of. You know, you can search online and find all sorts of guides. There's all sorts of people doing business in Asia or expats in Asia, uh, and so you can find a lot of information online and get a lot of support. Uh, online, you know, social media, you can join groups of, of expats, etc. So there's, there's a lot of resources now available uh, for people who are find themselves getting transferred over. What are some of your tips for US based managers that are listening in our audience that are having to manage teams from the US located in Asia? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's, we talked about time zones, but that's not the biggest issue. I think uh, you do need to, again, take into consideration culture. You know, the, a lot of times the people that you're working with are really living in a different world. You know, it's, uh, I, I did some work with uh, in a Chinese company in South China and, uh, and we were working with people in London and, and here they are in London and, and a, a London PR firm and you know very fashionable right in the heart of london and and we're in south china out in uh, a factory area and and i knew sometimes working with my colleagues that they had no idea what kind of environment we were working in and so i think it it you want to take time you know one is if you can ever visit and and see the kind of environment that people are working in and the and get to know the culture that will help a lot uh but but take keep that in mind that uh, it's not, it's not just like it is where you're at. Uh, it can be very different conditions and very different expectations. I have a two-parter for you, Darby. I'm, I'm thinking about, first of all, I, I want to know more about uh, how money works over there and how, how the banking industry works and whether or not, you know, if we want to do business over there, uh, do we have to have a separate bank account with a, with a bank in Asia or can, can we use the banks that, that, that we currently have in the U.S.? And my second part of my question is, is, that, is uh, uh, cyber currency. And is that uh, taking hold over there? And is that uh, a way to perhaps make it easier to do business? Yeah, thanks. Uh, I think for banking, uh, if you're just dipping your toe in and doing business occasionally in Asia, you can bank from from home, uh, you know, and just and just transfer money, etc. But if you really want to have operations over here, you're going to need to get a local bank account and it'll make doing business a lot easier. For example, we talked about Hong Kong and mainland China. If you're doing business in, in China, 
you know, you've got the currency in China's renminbi or the China yuan, uh, and it can be challenging with converting the renminbi to U.S. dollars. Um, so China has some strict limits on transfers in and out of China. And so working, if you're working in Hong Kong, all of the Hong Kong banks are set up to help with doing business in mainland China. So it can, it can just make things a lot easier if you go with local banking in the region. Uh, same with other parts. You know, Singapore is well set up to cater to banking across uh, with multiple currencies across Southeast Asia and all, across all of Asia, actually. So, so it can make sense to, to look at local banking uh, if you're going to be doing business in the region. As far as cryptocurrencies, uh, that's like a lot of places, it's still the Wild West. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, governments are, are very cautious and concerned, uh, but also somewhat open to cryptocurrencies. I would say that it's it's still pretty niche, uh, not widespread adoption. So it, it would be hard to do business uh, using cryptocurrencies uh, purely, though I do see many startups uh, in the region are using Bitcoin and, and accept Bitcoin. So uh, I think that's going to grow. And, and I do know that a lot of people, I've seen uh, some on uh, crypto entrepreneurs move to Asia because they say, see that Asia uh, has great potential. Like Vietnam, uh, Vietnam has, uh, you know, been opening up towards cryptocurrencies. I, I'm here in Taiwan. Uh, there are some legislators that want to uh, promote cryptocurrencies in Taiwan and make, make Taiwan a crypto capital of Asia. So I think it's, that's going to change quickly and, and probably open up. On a related note, one of my biggest photos, and I think a lot of people's biggest photos, then the, the fear of the unknown would be intellectual property and protecting the intellectual property. That we, we this, this fear that if we take our IP over there, that it's not going to be protected, uh, or that you know people are going to steal it, and 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 you know, and we're going to be left with nothing. Uh, is that a is that a realistic fear, or is that uh, something un, unfounded that, that just gets trumped up in the news? No, that is a very realistic fear, and you should keep it top of mind at all times. Uh, you know, it's not that everyone's out to get you or everyone's out to steal your technology, but some are and some will. And of course, all across the region, uh, you know, you see IP theft, uh, you see copycats. Uh, it's you know, it's it's there's reason that it's in the news and there's reasons that companies are very cautious about it. So I think you need to really take it seriously. You need to protect yourself at all times as much as possible. And I think one of the key things that you need to do is make sure that you have uh, reliable business partners in Asia, which can be very challenging. So you want to really spend time to make sure before you partner with another company, uh, whether they're a distributor or a strategic partner, you want to make sure that you can really trust them. And so what that means is you're going to need to spend a lot of time building the relationship. And, uh, and then also on the legal side, you know, make sure you do talk to the lawyers, just do as much as you can to protect your IP at all times. And lawyers who specialize in uh, intellectual property in, in foreign nations. Yeah. And again, if you, that's one of the benefits of looking at some of these hub cities like Hong Kong or Singapore, you're going to be able to find very specialized uh, lawyers who know specific markets and are able to advise you on the dangers of, of each market and how to protect yourself in those markets. 
Fantastic. Well, it's Darby C. Dahl for your LinkedIn. And Correct. the email is Darby at DCD and Co. So DCD and CO.com. And I would be remiss in saying my dear friend Darby, it does one of the best prairie dog impressions I've ever heard. <laughs> um, and I'm requiring you to do it now to wrap oh up my, the show. Oh my God. This must be a podcast first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here All right. goes. Here's my, Ready? here's my, from Asia. Here's my Wyoming prairie dog. How'd that come across on the microphone? We can sort of hear it, but it, yeah, it sounded like a faraway prairie dog. Good enough, sir. <laughs> oh, there he is. Do it again. There, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty good. <laughs> anyway, I disappoint you. And honestly, guys, Darby's wonderful. He, for clients that had a sense of humor, he would do that in client meetings. That it would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. For all I think we might. <laughs> Sorry, Lee, I was going to say we might edit that out, but go ahead. <laughs> no, not a chance. That's not what, a chance. Not a chance. Yeah. Oh, God. Darby, for thanks. For in Wyoming, you'll have to let us know how he did, okay? Exactly. <laughs> Darby, what a pleasure. Thanks so much. Appreciate your right. time and the good advice. You too. Hey, right. thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>